Diakonasa Cops Calling is sponsored by Luciano's Woodworking. Luciano's Woodworking is owned and operated by Carlos Luciano Jr., and he works with each of his customers to create hand-carved wooden plaques, signs, wall hangings, and more. Currently, he is working on a wall hanging for Diakonasa Cops Calling, and I am super excited to see it once it's completed. He's worked with me to meet the style, the colors, the print, and the frame I want for this project. You can see his talented work. Just check out Luciano's Woodworking on Facebook and Instagram. Whether you want a welcome sign for your home, a plaque to display challenge coins, a hand-carved piece of your favorite sports team, a personalized stovetop cover, retirement plaques for those in the military or in law enforcement, wall art for rooms in your house, or any other similar project, he can do it. Carlos is a full-time police officer, a husband, and a father, but he enjoys kicking up the dust with this side hobby. He's a busy guy, but you will not be disappointed as you patiently wait for him to complete your project. So check out Luciano's Woodworking right now on Facebook and Instagram. See his work, share his work, share him on social media, and then let him know what project you'd like him to start for you. This podcast is for grown-ups only. Some of the content may not be appropriate for little ears like mine. So you pop you pop in and you ask me right away if you can wear house shoes and I'm like what are you talking about? Well the last time I was in your studio you like berated me cuz I kept my shoes on. He reaches up gets my head in like a headlock and and pulls me down. If I tell you to sit down and you don't sit down, I already know that you're not compliant. Welcome to the, <laughs> dude, we didn't even start, it's all messed up. Welcome to Diakonasa Cops Calling, I'm Anthony Weaver, and with me right now <laughs> is none other than Detective Gary Lowe. You're back, Gary. Hey, man, thanks for having me. You're a train wreck. <laughs> dude, you're the one over there making faces at me while I'm trying to do the intro. Well, I, I don't know how this thing works. Okay. Yes, you do. You've bur- you were on episode two. Um, episode two so let's see was that the beginning that would probably was like beginning of march when that got released i have no clue i think so march so, that's a long time ago episode two you've really come a long way <laughs> no i'm serious like sending me a car to come come bring me over here that was pretty exciting <laughs> it was a prius though that's the same joke you used last time no last time was a plane yeah, it was a plane yeah, yeah. no now now yeah. i'm down to a car I blew, I blew like my budget the very first, uh, the, the very first week. Yeah, that's silly. Sending you a plane, but no, you're back. Uh, so can you smell me? No, I cannot right. smell you. Did you smell me when I came in? No, dude, I was grilling. <laughs> I was grilling um, barbecue chicken, two different kinds. Really? Yeah. And then I was throwing with my son. Okay. And then, uh, and then I. I buzzed on over. I probably should have showered first, but no, I chose no, not to. No, I, I was working all day. I didn't shower. I mean, I was sitting in air conditioning all day, but I was <laughs> so like, sorry. I was, uh, <laughs> I went out at like 2.30 and I was like, why did I come out? It's so hot. It was it's really oppressive. hot. It was really hot. Speaking of smell, I've had this like guy. Can you say oppressive on? <laughs> yeah. All right. Oppressive. The heat was oppressive. The heat was oppressive. It was yeah. syst- systemically <laughs> oppressive. The sun was <laughs> systemically oppressing the United Everyone. States. Yeah. 
So maybe I was a little selfish today, coming over a little smelly. But I yeah, thought it I didn't smell good because it's like charcoal and the smell of a leather glove on your hand. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't smell you. Speaking you didn't smell of, my hand. Yeah, I didn't smell your hand. Speaking of uh, your your leather glove on your hand, you're wearing something on your feet. So you pop you pop in and you ask me right away if you can wear house shoes and I'm like what are you talking about? Well, the last time I was in your studio, you like berated me because I kept my shoes on. We are a shoes off in the house family, but I've had other guests on and I don't make them take their shoes off. But me, you felt comfortable enough. Yeah, because like, can I'm, you please take your shoes? I'm like, brother, clean. But I I did. I took them off. Did I actually I, ask you to take them off? Yeah, we came we came down to the studio, and uh, you said, hey, do, do you mind taking your your shoes is off and i said ah i'll do it i'll do it <laughs> i don't remember asking you that yeah. but it is possible it was actually not down it was not down in the studio it was right before you get to the studio that landing and and you told me to you asked me kindly yeah but yeah so i'm wearing these house slippers that i made they look they're like rectangle and they have the strap like a slide over top of them they're hand stitched um hand cut uh leather that's pretty cool. I House mean, slippers. It, it, it works it for good too. If my kid's getting out of line, whack. Yeah, absolutely. But, absolutely. No, I, I, I kind of like them. You said your family doesn't like them. So I don't know what's up with that. Dude, I like them. Robin, make you a pair. That'd be pretty awesome. You know what I use? Well, they're not really house shoes. They're my like, I want to walk out into my garage and I need something to slip on my feet. Those like, remember those Crocs? With the, like the canvas on top, not not, not the, Crocs, Crocs, but the Crocs bottom with like the canvas slip-on shoes. Remember like those from years ago? Wear. I throw those on. I throw those on. Yeah, but I've like they're these really nice junky slides that I just throw on to go outside. Yeah, yeah. Throw the charcoal in the in the thing and light it up and yeah, or throw or whatever. Right. Right. So speaking of your stuff, we have several things going on in this episode. Speaking of your stuff being your leather handmade goods that you, uh, that you do. Hey, by the way. Is it if I put my gun over here? <laughs> yes. I love it. Thanks, buddy. I'll point it away from everybody that's in here. Yeah. Uh, our audience. <laughs> audience of zero. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not <laughs> listeners of zero. I know that. I did a little bit of research. You've got you got some downloads yeah some i mean i'm no like uh joe, joe rogan R- or yeah. anything what's that dude that do like- navy seal dude jocko jocko he's got some downloads. see here's the thing i like uh i like some of jocko stuff but i feel like he i like talk- how you're talking trash on jocko talks this is typical tony w <laughs> i feel like he talks about the same thing every episode it's all leadership which Train, is good. Get ready for war. Which is good. Gonna die. He's a super intense guy. He's very intense. The guy needs to chill. I, I just have, a little bit. Like maybe he can chill, but like maybe that's his thing. I like, have listened to a, a lot of it. Quite a few of his things. Yeah. I probably listen to Joe Rogan more of Joe Rogan stuff than his stuff. But Joe yeah. Rogan's podcasts are four and a half hours long each. Who has time to listen to some this dude for four and a half hours? Well, it would take you. He releases one every other day. Right? Is it every other day or every day? It might be every day. That's insane. Yeah, I don't know how. That's you... a lot of product being pushed out. Is that what you call it in the podcast world? I guess I don't okay. know, dude. I barely know what I'm doing, dude. You got to. This is only here. episode 19. Hey, you made it past. 
How long did podcasts normally last? Like 10 to? 7 to 10. 7 to 10. So you made it past that. Yeah, I guess. Well, I did, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Uh, yeah, I'm, I... No, it's You've been, had some really good guests on. Yeah, I've had some really good guests on. And um, I had... People seem to seem to like the show. People love the interviews with cops. Actually, it's across the board. Like I did a a uh, poll with my patrons, and it was really across the board with what they liked the best. Some people liked the interviews the best. Some people liked my monologues the best. Some people liked the uh, um, me breaking down events that are big in the news and explaining what the officer was probably thinking and feeling in that moment. So yeah, it's kind of across the board. That's cool. So I guess I'll just kind of keep doing all of it. Yeah. Although I am trying to shorten the episode. So I think I'm moving away from that two hours because most of my episodes have been around two hours. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to shorten them down to like an hour. Yeah. If we okay. go, if we go three hours, it's oh, probably going to be like three episodes of you Dude, or maybe two. That's two episodes. Much. You think it's you think to break it down me. to three. Oh man! But I think that will also help with my with my uh, workload a little bit because you do one interview, it's two hours, and that's one episode. If you break it down into parts, it's also it's easier for people to listen to. It cuts down on on the editing workload every week, so it's kind of like a win win. Yeah. Plus, I always like to I like to talk. So then, if I'm adding stuff onto the end of these episodes, they just keep getting longer and longer. Yeah. So once you get going, if you don't have anybody to cut you off like me, right? Then you can just go. You can just go, and it's it's been good though. Like your monologues have not been too long. If I can give you any, I don't even know. Nobody cares what I think. But actually, yes, they do. That's that's exciting to hear. My wife. The only thing she cares about is that I don't say something to get myself fired, and to remember that um, the leadership of my church probably listens to this. (laughs) That's literally what she said. Gave me a hug and said, don't get fired. Remember, the leadership of your church is listening to this. It's like, okay, what, what would you say that would uh, get you fired or, or that the leadership of the church would like talk to you? Dude, nothing. I don't think I would say anything. But like, I don't know, man. You hear stories. I've done nothing to get fired. So, so like. Cancel, cancel culture. I guess what that's, that's what they call it, right? That's... Somebody gets offended and next thing you know, you're done. But yeah, it happens, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's reasons to get rid of people. I don't even know what that means. Like there's lots of reasons to get rid of somebody. But what do you mean by get rid of? Like Like, fire. Oh, I didn't know we were talking about like assassinating people. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) There we go. See, I just did it. (laughs) Uh, All right. Now. I, I got to fire people. Yeah, there are. There's definitely yeah. reasons to fire people. Lots but, of reasons. But uh, yeah. So anyways, several things that we're going to do on this episode. One of them is... This is not going to be an hour-long episode. No. Go ahead. It's not. I'm sorry. I, I things mean, we're that we already, have to do. We have to do some things. Yeah, we're already, what, 10 minutes into it, and we've literally accomplished we've nothing. zero things. <laughs> we've just uh, bantered. But no, we're going to have a lot of fun on this episode. Uh, we're going to... Uh, Gary's going to help me do cue the dip, uh, the cue the dip segment. Cue the dip. Yeah. Maybe we should record. Did I say that right? Yeah. Cue that dip. You can even say cue that dip. You can say cue the dip. I don't know. Rehearsed. I, 
to do some vocal warm-ups. I did some vocal warm-ups before I came in here. I bet you did. <laughs> I did. He did. I know you did. <laughs> I might have. <laughs> Probably on the way over. Um, but uh, right off the top, before we get into anything, oh, and we're doing the patron prize drawing. Oh, the koozies. For the koozies. So Dude. we're going to... Those gonna, come out pretty good. They're very nice. Why don't you describe them for everyone? I put it out on social media, but some, some of my listeners aren't on social media. So quick yeah, describe. So they're 12 ounce can koozies uh, made out of whorewing leather out of Chicago. It's a tannery in Chicago. Okay. They're black in color um, and they're stitched with blue because uh, the thin blue line. There you go. That's what Anthony asked me to, if I would donate these to give to his patrons. And I said, I'd be happy to do that. Yeah. Yeah, they so, came out real nice. They look pretty good. When you gave the name of the leather out of Chicago, what does that mean for so, a person like me? Horween is a company. Okay. It's world-renowned, um, and it's based out of Chicago. So it's handmade here in America by an American using American-made stuff. So it's all American-made? It's American-made. That's cool. That is actually cool. Yeah, it's not, nice. and, and, it, and it's actual, like, cow leather, not, not your... Not your uh, horse. It, is it horse leather, or is it just it's, horse hide? Yeah, yeah. It's cow hide, cow leather. Same thing. Okay, I think. But with the horse hide, is yeah. it called? Is it called leather? Horse leather? It would be called. They usually call it cord, cordovan. Would be one thing. That's a part okay. of the horse hide. It's weird because when you say it's horse leather or horse hide, like people get freaked out because everybody yeah. loves horses. Right. But like, there's lots of things. The really high end shoes are made out of. Horse, they're called yeah. cordovan or high-end boots. They're they're like five six hundred more dollars a pair for uh, handmade uh, cordovan, which is horse. It's horse butt is what it is. It's, yeah. it's like that backside of a horse. Yeah. And uh, some of the bags I make, I use horse butt strips, is what they call them. Okay. But it's like just below the cordovan, the real expen- the really okay. really expensive stuff, and it's super tough. Horse hide's a little bit tougher than it's like tighter grained right. than cow. Right. So G- Gary makes stuff for the store, Ellicott and Company. Yeah. And uh, he reached out to me one day about something he was making. And he was like, is it a big deal if this is like horse hide or horse leather or whatever he called it? And I said, no, we hate horses here. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, man. Everybody if, likes horses. If any of the owners listen to this episode, they're going to be like, geez, okay, stop talking about where you work. <laughs> exactly. No more. I like horses. No, I like horses too. And I've never ridden a horse though. Have you? Uh, what's amazing to me right now is how long I'm thinking about this. I don't think so. I don't. I don't. I don't ever recall riding a horse. Yeah. But it's like one of those things where you feel like you should have done at least once in your life. Like right? everybody rides a horse. But yeah, like at least I, once. I never rode a horse. I guess Rid, I, I never either. rid a horse. I never rode a horse. Rode a before. horse. But anyways, these koozies that you made, man, we, we, I am going to have to keep this on track uh, on this episode. These koozies that you made yeah. are really cool. Um, unfortunately, people who don't have social media haven't been able to see them, but we're going to do the patron drawing uh, for that. So awesome. you just want to do it right now? Dude, this is your show. I'll do whatever you want. Let's just, let's just do it right now. What do I have to do? The I don't order- want to read the name, though. Well, this, here's the thing. Only, only a cop-friendly podcast has to be careful about what, depending who the name is, I'm respecting their privacy. Let's just put it that way. So you pull the name. I'm pull it, give it to you. you show it, you're going to give it to thing. me. Yes. 
So there's witnesses here. So whoever gets pulled, Gar- Gary's pulling the name. It is who it is. Jimmy I don't want anyone to be like, hey, you know, that's a family member or a friend or, you know, whatever. It could, you know, be. I generally know all my patrons so far, at least a okay. little bit. So I pulled it. Okay. What do we got? Who's the lucky? I don't, I can't remember if. Uh... <laughs> This is great. This is great radio right here. Great radio right here, bud. I thought I'd remember if they want. If they, if they. Do we pick another one? We just put it back. No, 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 no. Donna. I'll just say first name. Donna. 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 Hey, congratulations, Donna. I will reach out to you, Donna, and let you uh, let you know for sure that there's only one Donna in my in my list of patrons. Well, I hope she should know who it is. I hope that Donna likes to like that she drinks out of cans. We'll find out. I know, if she doesn't, listen, like it's going to be a big thing. I know her husband very well, too. I'm, okay. sure, I'm sure if she's not going to use him, he will. Awesome. If not, so, she can sell him. She'd probably get pretty, pretty good money for him. So, because basically all my patients, Donna's not going it's to want like to sell him. Families. They're super nice. Okay. They're, they're like family. So, yeah. you know, Donna was the one who signed up. But That's awesome. her and her husband are big supporters of the program. That's cool. I really appreciate them. And uh, these... Your koozies in our store, we sell for $30 a piece. So this is like a really, I don't want people to think, oh, like it costs like $5. No, if you came into Ellicott and Company and bought a pair of Gary Lowe koozies, you'd pay $60. So it's no They're joke. worth every penny. It's no it. joke. They are worth every penny. Yeah, I have nice. I have one. You, you, uh, you donated one to me. Yeah, they're hand-stitched. I mean, I mean, it was one that you messed up on. It wasn't perfect, but it still works. It, it was. I made lots like, of you mistakes. can have this one. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. He's like, yeah, it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> I've made lots of mistakes in leather work. The, these ones are good, though. Yes, these, good. these are perfect. I feel pretty good about uh, making koozies right now. The, the only problem with the one you gave me is it's just a little loose. So you yes, worked I tightened, on it. I tightened up the pattern. And yep. they're, they're legit because I have dried out a couple of the, the new ones, and they're good. Nice. So congratulations, Donna. Thank you for being a patron. Uh, thank your husband, Tim, for also being a patron. And uh, yes, I will get you your koozies. Awesome. Time. Good for her. I see it. Yeah, that is good for her. And then the other thing I wanted to say off the top here is that the mics we're talking into right now. So a very, very generous and uh, supporter of the podcast who wants to remain anonymous. He does not want his name mentioned. He does not want anything mentioned. Um, I tried to ask him if I could. He he wanted no part of it, and I can I can appreciate that because that means he doesn't care if people he doesn't want people to know. Um, but he uh, he donated two brand new mics and some pop filters, and this episode is the very first episode where I'm using those, and uh, these are very nice mics. And so, uh, yeah, blown away. He emailed me out of the blue, said, hey, I listened to the show. Um, and he, he, I could tell he knows cops because he told me in his email, just so you don't think I'm a complete loon, I know this guy and I used to work with this guy and they were both in law enforcement. So I just want you to know that I'm just not some rando just reaching out to you like, 
I, you know, so that was helpful. So he just said, Hey, you know, how can I support you? What do you need? Um, I gave him some ideas. So you don't know him personally. I do not know him personally at all. Like he just reached out to me and said, Hey, I'm a supporter of the podcast. Uh, I'd like to help you out. And then he bought this stuff for me. And, um, I went and picked it up the other day and, uh, I I've never even met the guy. He, he set it out, uh, where I went to pick it up, he had it sent out with a nice note for me, hmm. and um, I picked it up, and here we are. So that's pretty cool. It's, it's really cool, really cool. I um, blown away by by stuff like that. People are way more generous than I am, that's for sure. I mean, if I listen to a podcast, I'd be like, ah, it's a cool podcast. All right. You don't ever feel guilty about not giving to them, like being a patron supporter, or like like one. I would that you say like not like Joe. We're not talking Joe. Well, Ryan, like Jocko. Like, yeah. I will say there is actually one blogger, blogger guy. He doesn't have a podcast, but there's one blogger that, that Laura and I are patrons for. Um, and I would say since doing this, I definitely feel much more of an urge to like, yeah, because I see people trying to, you know, do their thing. And so you do feel much more of a, now that you're doing it and you're, um, you know, trying to do the same thing and, and, raise like a, a patron program type thing. So because right. every know. little bit helps, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I talked about it on a patron episode, like every everything coming in right now is helping me pay subscription fees. And I just found this cool new website to help me do like little videos for social media uh, that has like clips from the podcast or trailers for the podcast or whatever. And it's a much, u- friend, a much user-friendly uh, website than I was using before. Yeah. But of course, you know, you have limits. And if you want to be able to use it, then to, you got to pay a subscription gotta fee and, and all this stuff. So it is what it is, you know. But yeah, the, the, the patron support has been great so far um, and, and super, super helpful. It's great. So can't, can't go wrong there. So, all right. So... So we did two things. We did two things. And now it's time for the dude. Yeah. Get her done. Do you like that music? I do like it. If you are new to the podcast, Cue the Dip stands for kicking up the dust in pursuit, and each week I pick a winner. Someone in law enforcement who gets after it with a good arrest, great work, or quite frankly, anything I feel that is eligible. So this week's Cue the Dip winner is Deputy John Holt of the Gloucester Gloucester County Sheriff's Department in Virginia for responding to an accident where an SUV had flipped over. And once he responds to that accident, he lifted the SUV up on his own by himself far enough to help uh, free a trapped woman um, that was in the SUV. It sounds like her head was trapped like out the sunroof underneath the car. So he, uh, he lifted this thing up on his own, under his own power. And here is a report about it from Inside Edition, which breaks it down. A woman is trapped in an overturned SUV. It's flipped upside down. Is he under it? Yes. She is in full distress. 
Her panicked son is crouched in the vehicle trying to comfort his mom. Her head is pinned under the sunroof. Time is running out. She's trapped under the vehicle. I can't get it off. Mommy! Mommy! The deputy tries to comfort the young boy. Come here, buddy. Come here. What happens next is superhuman. The body okay. cam goes to black as the deputy lifts the 3,500-pound SUV to free the woman. You hear him grunting at the top of his lungs. Oh, I'm trying to get out. Oh, are you, is your head clear? It worked. And here is that hero today, Deputy John Holt of the Gloucester County Sheriff's Department in Virginia. All I did was just put my shoulder into the door frame and brace and then, you know, just stood up and that was enough to free her. And this isn't the first time Deputy Holt has come to the rescue. Here he is back in March 2020, rushing to the scene of a house fire where he saved two people. You can see him crawling on the floor inside the burning house, searching for a four-month-old. For that act of heroism, he was honored with the Top Cop Award with his family at his side. Now, he's once again being called a real-life Superman. So for that, we salute Deputy John Holt as this week's Q the Dip winner. Congratulations, Deputy John Holt. That's an unbelievable, like, story. It is an unbelievable story, and when you listen to the audio of of his uh, of his um, body cam, him doing it, it's pretty, that's what I'm pretty impressed insane. about. Yeah, that's what I'm impressed about. Do you think you could lift an SUV off someone? I mean, like you said, it's it's, it's upside on, down. It's upside down. So, so all the weights up top. It's it's gonna be. It's gonna be a little like wobbly, a little or wobbly. like top heavy. So like, but I think you, you can still, move it. I think you can. You still have to. From what I understand, he he wedged his shoulder Up underneath under like something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you hear him grunting. Yeah, it's awesome. It's pretty yeah. incredible. That's a so, good, yeah, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe like she probably would have got out without that. You know what I mean? Like someone's going to respond and there's going to be like things that get her out. Like she, I mean, maybe she was like, yeah, I don't know. She couldn't breathe. I mean, I don't Her, her, her kids were saying she couldn't breathe and stuff. At one point it sounds like she almost says something, but it's hard to tell in the audio if that's her talking or someone else. But either way, it's it's wild. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. He kept the kids calm too. Cause he's like, he's like, you know, come here, buddy. I think he says something like that. And then. Just to be able to kind of, you hear him grunting. That's, that's yeah. Wild. He yeah. got he got the kids out and yeah. tried to calm them down and then yeah. got after it. So, yeah. but defund the police. <laughs> hey, Oakland. I saw Oakland wants to drop another eighteen million. Yeah, I out of out of out of their uh, uh, out of their police department. And here's the crazy thing about Oakland. I just talked about that shooting that like a couple episodes ago. Shooting that happened in Oakland. One person shot, seven people wounded, ambulance shows up, and the crowd does not let the ambulance leave to get the yeah, people to the hospital. I heard about that. Um, twerking on the ambulance, I dancing on the ambulance. Flipping insane. Oh, yeah, let's take another $18 million from him. And not an officer anywhere in the video. Let's take another $18 million from him. Yeah. Supposedly the chief uh, I heard that he was, going, he was going on the offensive. Yes. 
And uh, I saw a blip today of him at a press conference. I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but I want to I want to listen to it because they say he he gets he gets after it. Who it, he's an African American chief, mm-hmm. a black chief, and and he's just like this is crazy. This is yeah. crazy. Like we have shootings and people dying all over our city, and you wanted to yeah. fund the police more. It's crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, we obviously need more funding for mental health. You know, for homelessness. Like obviously. There needs to be more done if we can, but you can't take from right from Paul to give the gym. Is that the right statement? <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Like take yeah. from Jim to pay Paul, or yeah, yeah. I mean, there's is always that right? that's not right. I don't know. Take from the left hand to give the right hand. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But y- you're right. Like you can't. You have to. Uh, you can't just defund the police that is not going to yeah and i don't think that's situation. what everybody means when they say that but right whatever well, if that's not what they mean then say what you mean words do have meanings but they sometimes do. they don't it's weird yeah we live yeah. in a wild time where words is true used to mean something but they don't anymore yeah it's very true so so the rest of the the, the rest of this episode is just i mean has pretty much been you and me just hanging out having a good time so yeah. that's pretty much the rest of the episode Go ahead. We should do something productive. Like, keep going. Okay. Like, we're just like, we're well, really we have doing been doing anything. something productive. Yeah, we did three things. Cue yeah. the dip. Mm-hmm. We gave out the reward of the uh, patron. Right. And uh, what else did we do? The, the mics. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, we're just going to. So, basically, what in my mind here, my vision was talking to a, a, a gristled, is that the right word? Gristled vet such as yourself. If anybody Gary. looks gristled in this room, it's not me. <laughs> but ask you some questions and, okay. and just see what happens. Like oh, some man. law enforcement questions. And you love this. This you seems this. dangerous to me. I would love this in a private setting. But see, here's the thing. But people, like, I'm going to let people into my world. Yeah, exactly. I'll let them in. Exactly. I'll let them in. Most people don't know me anyway. So. Humanize the badge. Is that what they call that? I, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's, uh, that's not one of the uh, goals of the show, but it is yeah. one of the things I'm trying to help people better understand. So how, how, so, how, to, how can I do that any better than asking you a bunch of questions about law enforcement in your job? Yeah. yeah and I mean, I'll, I'll jump in. I'll, I can share some stories too. Yeah, we'll go you back like, and forth. You like telling stories. We all do. We all do. I used to like telling stories. I get a little bit, um, like I think I forgot a lot of things on purpose I think just other things have crept in and I don't know how good my memory is I feel like the longer I went on in my career the worse my memory got Yeah, and I think part of it is your brain is so filled with things you have to remember because from when you start to your career to the end of your career, you're constantly adding knowledge and adding things that you need to do, whether it's paperwork, things you need, whether it's paperwork you need to complete or procedures you need to do or protocol you need to follow or new things you've been trained on. There, there's just been so much piled on the police to do uh, in regards to mental health, missing people. I think you go back 40, 50 years, policing was just 
a lot more simple than it is now. Now you have like tracking devices to find people who are missing. You have this this item that you need to get trained on. You have this tool on your belt that you need to get trained on. You have this new protocol that you need to follow. Uh, if if you go to a domestic, you have these new programs that you need to tell the people about and you need to be knowledgeable about. There's so much information yeah. and so many things you need to be knowledgeable about. And by the end of my career, I, I I was like, I can't, I can't remember anything. I felt like I couldn't remember anything from from before, like because my brain was so full with the, the new information, the things that you had to do. Right. And then add on the stuff that was I mean, I hate to traumatic. Right. Or things that were like a big deal. Right. That you've pushed back or pushed away and then you just move on to the next right. big deal thing. Yeah. And then we all have personal lives too. So you got you got all right. this stuff, but yeah, so I, I'll remember some things. You'll remember some I'll things. I'll try. I'll remember some yeah. things. I, I'm sure I'll remember. I, I should be able to remember some of the, the fun things or the funny things. I'm the, just trying to figure out which question I want to start out with. Yeah. I, I know. I I'm know. excited for it. I know. No, you're not. If there's anything that I'm excited for, it's this very first question. Uh, because you think I'm going to go in a certain order. I don't assume anything with you, Anthony. That's one thing I've learned in my because I'm not with you. What is what is the arrest you are most proud of? That's actually the one that I thought you would ask me first. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I had no clue what you were going to say. All right, the one I'm most proud of. I should have come with some stuff written down. Uh, man, most proud of. So that. That can mean a lot of different things because like I'm very happy or glad. All right, proudest arrest. There was a guy in 20, 2004, 2004. I was brand new, three, three years on. Okay. I'm going to say his name. Uh, his name is Prince Isaac. He's federally indicted. Um, for life in prison plus like 15 years or something like that so i think that means he's gonna stay in jail for the rest of his life i think you think <laughs> things that mean uh he's from he was from jamaica queens new york and he uh went back and forth between lancaster and queens uh dealing drugs i knew none of this stuff at the time i'm just a lowly new guy loved doing drug work was working in like drug areas uh, but was wearing a uniform pushing a car by myself and i see um two people i didn't know it was prince isaac i see two people walking in like a high drug area that i've made multiple arrests in and he i see one dude walking with his hand his left hand closed and i could see out of his ridge hand like a plastic baggie like he was holding right right so i see i see that he's holding i kind of move up closer i pop the door as he sees me, he has the, uh-oh, there's a cop, look in his eye, and he pulls his like, hand in front, of his, um, in front of his thigh mm-hmm. to like, conceal what he's holding, which makes me know even more now he's got, he's got drugs on him. Right. So, so I approach him, I grab him, I grip him up. He, he's able to put his hand in his pocket before, before I get up there. So he's got nothing in his hands. I sit him down. Um, I call for backup. Um, and then I see the dude who winds up being Prince Isaac, look at me and I'm like, that's Prince Isaac, he's wanted. 
Oh, for, you knew he was wanted. Not for any of this federal stuff. It was like a shooting or something like that that he was involved in. So none of this federal stuff is even known to me at this point. Okay. But I know he's wanted for like a shooting or he had bench warrants. Something silly, but like not that big of a deal. Um, so back, my backup shows up who's now like super high ranking in, in where I work. And uh, it wasn't at the time. It wasn't at the time. Both sit down and uh, we cuff them both. I wind up searching this. I search the guy. He tells me he's got drugs in his pocket somehow. I know it's Prince Isaac. He winds up getting, um, I wind up doing a search of his car. I forget the reason how I got in his car, but I searched his car. He had a bunch of dope in it, a bunch of, bunch of drugs. Um, the reason I'm proud of it, it just turned out well. Right. It was lucky. Like it was literally a lucky grab. Did you say he had a gun? He did not have a gun. Oh, okay. Just so he was charged with all kinds of stuff. Okay. Uh, and they did like historical stuff on him. And I wasn't involved in any of that stuff. It was just like, this dude was a bad dude. He was involved in uh, a shooting on, on Prince Street. His brother, he basically ran, ran this gang out of Queens, New York, who moved to Lancaster to basically take over the drugs. Yeah. Uh, the drug game in, in the city. And like detectives were working on it, the feds were working on it. I knew nothing about anybody, anything. But like I made this arrest and they tied the drugs from this dude that I arrested to him because he interviewed. Okay. So like all this stuff happened. All I did was make a drug arrest. Right. But like it's one of those things that like this dude was a bad dude. They would kill. They would kill people. I think. I'm trying to think if they did some murders. They probably did. But I right. Don't, I don't know a whole lot about it. No. No, that's pretty. That's cool. pretty good arrest. Yeah. Um. But nothing fun happened. Like he didn't fight me or anything. Everybody was kind of chill. Like what's the what's the worst fight you've ever been in that you remember? The worst fight? Yeah. Oh, like oh man. So I arrested a guy on a Sunday morning. I was on bike. It was a Sunday morning. I just left. Sunday mornings are dangerous. I just left lineup. My house pretty rammy. Just left lineup. So like we usually have trainings on Sunday mornings. So we were released from that. And I got on my bike. I started going um, to the drug area because I want to go make an arrest. Right. And I see this guy who I know has a bench warrant. Um, I'm on bike by myself. I don't call it out. I stop him. He's probably 6'4", 240 pounds maybe. Big dude. Um, probably upper 20s, maybe 30s. So he has some like life experience where I, I, I was 24 maybe, 25, something like that. So I tell him to put his hands on top of his head. He complies. I stop him. I dump my bike. Tell him to put his uh, hands on top of his head. He does. And as I'm, I, I grab his hands at the, back, at the top of his head. I call out where I'm at with this guy. Out with one, I need a backup. Um, I think I said something like he's got a warrant or something like that, a bench warrant. Guy, guy known for a bench warrant. Right. I need another unit. As soon as I did that, I felt him tense and I was like, uh-oh. Because I had made, I'd made numerous arrests. And, and right. like, it wasn't. That tenses. As soon as they tense, you know it's not going to go well, probably. So I quick get a cuff on. I, I cuffed him with his hands on the top of his head as he's standing. Right. So I'm behind him. I put one cuff on his right hand. And as soon as I did that, he, he breaks, turns. So now he's got one cuff on. I'm trying to hold on. Um, I shove him. And he takes off running. So I chase him. Now he's got a cuff on. One cuff on, and I, 
I push him, he falls, and now we're in the middle of an intersection. There's nobody around. I mean, it was Sunday morning pretty early. Nobody, nobody, nobody's, nobody's out and about. So he, he basically like goes to tackle me like at the back of my legs. So now we're like mano e mano, like we're both facing each other. Right. I'm giving him commands and stuff. And he, he like basically like bear hugs the, my legs like for a two leg takedown. And um, <clears throat> I'm like, uh-oh. So I kind of sprawl like push my legs back right. and kind of put my weight on top of him. And I pull his, uh, his shirt up over his head, kind of like a yeah, jersey. Hockey. And uh, I, a knife falls. Um, I don't know if it was in his hand, in his pocket. I, I never even saw it. It just falls to the ground. So I'm, I was giving him some strikes mm -hmm. and uh, he was not complying at all. So finally I was able to break um, from that like from him still having my legs i broke from that i drew my gun and just basically held him at gunpoint until backup showed up right um so that was a pretty pretty good one another one i can thinking off the top of my head i chased a dude for a bench warm and he took off running through we went like a block and a half and then he went through a foot alley and he ran into a refrigerator in the middle of a foot alley which is hilarious to me <laughs> like not like an alley but like between two houses right, and like right. that little those little cuts back in there so he like runs into a refrigerator which is outside super funny he bounces off the refrigerator i get him i tackle him and we land in rose bushes right so i'm on top of him and he like he gets and i i was pretty like rammy so i figured like i had this kid he seemed like a little guy right and i, I was i was pretty confident that I, I could take care of business and and he reaches up and gets me in a chokehold so he reaches up and he's he gets so he's on his back i'm right. on top of him he reaches up, gets my head in like a headlock and, and pulls me down. So I'm like, this is not good, <laughs> right? This is not good. So I took, uh, I don't know if I gave him strike. I think I went, I went right for his eye and I put my thumb in his eye and just started pushing myself up. Right. I think I, I started with one eye and then I put my hand, my thumb in his other eye and just pushed myself off him and he, he let go. Yeah. Um, and then rolled him over, cuffed him and it was over. But like that one, that one was, that one got me a little bit just because because he he snuck it he snuck it from me right I was too I was overconfident I made mistakes yeah. um, there was no reason for me to tackle him into the rose bushes like right not not no reason but like I sh it was tactically unsound right but like I felt super but confident when we first started that's what you you tackled everyone like if they ran from you you never like as I got on in my career you you I would push to the shove yeah do the shove like if they're running and you give them a shove. Um, that's, you're not going to get your, you're not going to get jacked up because if you tackle someone on cement or a sidewalk or into a rose bush, like you're going to, you're also going to take some, some pain with that. And you're generally in a bad position to right. do anything else to right. do the next thing, which is because your him in cuffs, arms is kind of like you're doing trapped under him. So a lot of things have changed in policing. That's one good thing that's changed is like tactics change over time. Right. They get better just like any other right. process to get something done right in the world in the real world everything generally most things get better they get more efficient and that's happening in policing too even right. from when from when we started oh yeah tactics are way better oh, now yeah. than they they were back when we started but even so like even perfect tactics cannot get you through everything i mean it's just nope. it's just impossible yeah for it to get you through get you through everything now were you on bike for that one too um I was in a car. 
I was the passenger and my partner was driving and I saw a guy with a bench warrant and jumped out. Where was he at while we were getting choked? He was slow. <laughs> slow like me. He couldn't keep up. He couldn't keep up. He couldn't keep up. Oh, man. And that was back before we had tasers, too. No tasers. Yeah. yeah. So the crazy thing about tasers, like I'm just going to go on this rabbit trail. The crazy thing about tasers is remember when we got them where they were on the use of force continuum? So every department has a use of force policy and a continuum. And tasers, when tasers were first introduced in law enforcement, they were very low on the use of force continuum. It was right with pepper spray, right? Yeah. So basically, when we first got tasers, the courts recognized that tasers were very low on the use of force continuum. And many departments, including our own, had them at... uh, um, Passive, right? Not Not passive. Verbal, verbal Verbal non-compliance. Yeah. So if you, so what that meant for, for us as police officers, if we got out on someone and this happened all the time and you said, have a seat on the curb because you were stopping them um, and you always wanted to try to get people at a tactically, uh, you always wanted to put yourself in a tactical advantageous position. So oftentimes if I stop someone, I would say, have a seat on the curb to get them down in the seated position while I was standing. It just gave me more time to react if they wanted to stand up or fight. It also helped me gauge if there was going to be compliance there. Like I'm giving them a verbal direction. If they're not going to follow that, then I know we're going to go down the, um, you know, we're going to have a problem trail. So you, you could tell someone to have a seat on the curb. And if they said F you, you could just tase them. Yeah. Like, and, and they would always recommend like, Hey, if you don't sit down, I'm going to tase you. Yeah, yeah, like say taser, taser, But we taser, were able or, to, I mean, we were allowed we were, to, we authorized were, to. Yeah, it was, it was within policy, it was in, within law, and quite frankly, it was a super effective tool, and it was introduced into law enforcement to prevent officers from engaging physically with suspects. So the whole point of the taser was to protect suspects from being injured by officers like going to strikes. It was to prevent officers from being hurt from getting into those um, physically combative situations, it was supposed to end that. And now, where we're at with the taser, the tasers, no one uses anymore because it's so high on the use of force continuum. It's now up at almost uh, like the level of baton, just below it. There's so many rules and regulations with when you can and can't use it. And most guys don't even, they don't even bother even using it because it's, it, the, when you can use it is, it's so high up on the level of force. So now you're, now you're forcing officers to engage back in physical confrontations. This is just my opinion. I'm not trying to get a response from you. I'm just saying, like, now you're, you're taking a tool that was very effective in protecting uh, suspects from, from getting struck, officers from getting hurt, and now you're taking that tool away and you're having officers go back to having to, to go to that level of force without the taser. Do you think that's because officers have abused using the taser? No, I think it's purely politics. Okay. I think it's purely optics and politics. Like, uh, you know, don't tase me for telling you to go F yourself or yeah. F your mother. So that's, a, you know? that's an interesting thing because like mm-hmm. when I was uh, a, a street officer, when I worked the street, when I was a real cop, 
I would tell someone to sit down. If they did not sit down, I would sit them down. That was what you did. Right. And so when, we're, when, we're, when, we're, when I'm saying that I'm telling someone to sit down, I'm telling someone who I have a legal reason to be engaged with. Correct. Right? Someone who I know who have a, has a warrant. I'm doing a drug investigation. I stop someone for curfew. I, a domestic, and, I wanna, and he's walking down the street. I, I want to control the situation for him and for me. Right. And for, all, for everybody around us. Right. So you tell them to sit down. They, they, they ought to sit down. I have the, I'm supposed to be able to have authority to do that. So that's how it worked back in the day. I don't know if that's the case anymore, um, if, if we can sit people down. I think we can. I think you have to be able to articulate a whole lot. Um, you have to be able to articulate the reasons that you did what you did a whole lot more than you did in the past. I would say... Yes, you better have a very good read, like for sitting someone down. Yes, yeah. and and because back in the day, if if you were if you were telling someone to sit down, you had a legal reason to detain them. You maybe weren't going to arrest them, but you had a legal reason. You had reasonable suspicion, yeah. to detain them. Right now, I would say most officers feel that if if you have reasonable suspicion to stop someone, but they refuse to sit down. Most departments are strongly discouraging their officers from getting into any type of physical confrontation with that person. So in other words, you're being trained to allow that person to maintain a tactical advantage. Correct. Which is going to escalate things very quickly. In the end. Right. So when you say to somebody, please sit down, this is the way I think of this. This doesn't mean anything because I, I don't know anything about anything. If I tell you to sit down and you don't sit down, I already know that you're not compliant. Now I know this is going to go. Now I know you're non-compliant. So right. now, now I'm already expecting potentially the worst. Worst case scenario, the absolute worst. Right. But like I'm expecting this is not going to go easily. I'm going right. to have to work get, to get to, wit, to, to some end. Right. To get, make it arrest, to figure out what's happening, anything. To get his name. Yeah. Right? So um, there is advantages to that someone telling you no, because then you know, right? If they say. Well, and there's definite advantages now to, as a bad guy, to be non-compliant. Right. Because the officers have been neutered completely. And, and cannot, cannot, cannot engage physically with that person the same way they would have even 10, 15 years ago, even five years ago. Yeah. This, this, is my, this is my yeah, opinion. And, and as, I, as I got out of law enforcement, I, I felt that distinctly, that I, I, was not, I was not allowed to do my job in, in the city anyways, I was, not, I was no longer allowed to do my job the way it needed to be done because of how it appeared in the optics. Yeah. Did you see that recent video where the officer got shot? I think it's in Florida. Yes. He was dealing with a guy in a car. Yeah. Um, Terrible. That's a great example. He tells him to sit down four times. So he, I don't know what he's, I don't know the whole context behind there, but basically he's, he sees a guy in the car. It sounds like he has at least, I don't know if he has suspicion or whatever. It's, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what the reason is, but he stops this guy and says, do you live here? The guy doesn't answer. There's clue number one. He gets out of his car and says, and the, the officer says, sit down, sit down, sit down. 
Right. He doesn't sit down. Right. So, and then he winds up getting shot very quick, like three seconds later, four seconds maybe. Where if he would have sat him down, it might have changed it. Maybe it didn't. And like, I don't know that department. I know nothing about that. But like, that officer knew from the moment that he said, well, first of all, when he said, do you live here? And he didn't answer him. That's clue number one. Clue number two was when he said, sit down multiple times and he totally ignored him. His next step should have been to sit him down. Right. He's already like, that's almost two strikes. But like, I don't know, man, maybe it's, maybe it's just a different, different world. It, well, it's, I mean, that officer, I think he's going to, I think, I don't think he's doing well. Uh, but but watching, watching him get shot in the head and literally watching that body cam, like watching him fall backwards, like it, it crushed my heart a little bit more even. Right. Like it's like someone stepping on your chest because it, it, maybe it didn't change anything if he goes hands on and, and sits him down. Maybe it doesn't change anything. But like maybe that officer th- had been counseled because he sat someone down before or he's, right. he's hearing all this stuff in the news about officers you know, being yeah. neutered or not being able to do their job or scared to use force at all. And so now they're using less force and it's making it more dangerous for everybody. I mean, that guy's life, you know, you know, that guy that shot that cop. I mean, yeah, go to jail. You deserve to go to jail forever. Um, and they caught but that like, guy. They did catch him in like a, like a militia type thing. It's, yeah. It was like in a militia thing with a so cache wild, of man. guns and in a tree stand, right? They found him. Oh, I think yeah. I think he was up. I think he was hiding in a tree stand or it's unbelievable. Or, yeah. But, but the stuff emboldens criminals. Right. To come and, out, to be non-compliant and even attack officers. I mean, and I think, I think. A, a couple things that were at play for that video when I watched that video, and I don't, I don't, I believe the officer was white and the suspect was black. Yes. And so that, that is subconsciously plain. And this is me saying it. This is not Gary saying this. <laughs> um, that is subconsciously messing with officers because if they are engaged with a black suspect, I guarantee you they are subconsciously thinking about the optics of that and how they're going to deal with that situation. Maybe not all of them, but a, a lot of officers now are distinctly aware of that, um, of that race issue now. Whereas when I started, like, I, I just was a cop. Like, I, I really did not think about the racial aspect of policing at all. Uh, but now I think it's, it's such a hyper focus on it. So I think a lot of times if you're a white officer and you're dealing with a black suspect, there is increased in your own mind uh, just a, a level of what are the optics going to appear like there. And then the second thing, I totally agree with you, Gary, when I watched that video and I broke one of my rules and I responded on social media to someone because I said, had the officer used the correct amount of force right away, this may have been prevented. And of course, someone responded to me that I was a racist and that basically what I meant is that he should have shot the shot the suspect immediately. And I didn't respond to that. I'm like, whatever. Um, but that's not what I meant. That's exactly to your point. Whereas if I'm asking you a question, you don't answer the question. Instead of answering my question, you get out of the car. You start getting out of the car, pushing that door shut, getting into a physical confrontation then and there. It might have changed the outcome. And this isn't to second guess that officer no. um, at all. But officers like right now, I, I think, are afraid to use force. And I'm saying that as someone who at the end of my career was distinctly aware of what force needed to be used and what force should be used and 
would take a step back sometimes and not use that force. And that's one of the reasons why I was like, okay, I think maybe it's time for me to get out. This is a good thing to have a conversation about, to come around the table and yeah. discuss. Yeah. I think, I mean, honestly. Right. Because I think if what you're saying is true, I think it's dangerous for everybody. It's super everybody. dangerous. It's going to lead to lawlessness, which you talk about a lot, and, and officers getting hurt and innocent people being, lives being destroyed. And we, we see it. We and see in reality, it's not the police's fault. No. Like, I mean, I'll put that out there. It's, it's not the cop's fault. It's just not. You see cops stepping back. You see crime increasing. You see cops leaving. You see crimes increasing. You see calls to defund the police. You see crime increasing. The correlation is that when you have people in society that you've tasked with enforcing the law, but then you don't allow them to do it, because you don't like how it looks, you're going to have a problem on your hands. And that's exactly where we're at right now. And that's exactly where we're going right now. And unfortunately, I think it'll probably get worse before it gets better. I mean, I mean, some of the cities right now, their, their uh, homicide rates are hundreds and hundreds of percent higher than they were before. And people are like, you know, like Chicago. It's wild. Hey, let's, uh, let's keep the police from chasing anybody. No foot pursuits. Um, or did run, you hear through, the, run through the matrix before you pursue. <laughs> Could you imagine? Did you hear me break down that did, on yeah, the episode? I did. Crazy. It's, in, it's absolutely insane. Like, what officer is going to be like, oh, okay, this makes perfect sense. I, I understand when I'm allowed to engage in a foot pursuit. I, I read the highlights of the policy as put out by Chicago PD. And I decided at the end that I literally had no idea when I would be allowed to chase someone. Yeah. And it, so basically what you have to do is you have to decide, am I going to get cracked for violating policy and yet do my job? Or am I just not going to do anything? And most cops are going to be like, I'm not going to chase anyone. I'm not going to engage in a foot pursuit. Because at some point in the middle of this foot pursuit, I'm going to be violating policy. Yeah. I think I think that's why I would love to see more like scenario based interact like police scenarios with uh with city leaders everywhere yeah. everywhere and citizens I think police academies with scenarios with media with people of influence doing that I think this like Let's go back to common sense. This is not, it's cops and robbers. That's what right. this, policing is cops and robbers. That's literally what it is. Right. And most cops, most, not all, some of them deserve to go to jail. If they, if they violate someone's rights, if they you know, do something right. insane, like if they're criminals themselves, like I'm all for putting them away. But like if you, what was I saying? It, these police academy or scenario-based like training things would be eye-opening to people. Right. Because the situations that police officers get themselves into or have to deal with, you just have to, you have to deal with them. It, it's almost, policing is common sense. It really is. It's common sense. Yeah. If your kid is going to grab the stove, you're going to tell your kid no. That's what policing is. 
don't sell drugs. Don't don't run a red light. Don't do this. Like that's literally what police. It's not that hard, right? You know, but like we've made it this thing that's like, it's monstrous now. It's it's. I mean, it should be cops and robbers. Right. That's literally what policing is, and it's it's turned it's morphed into, maybe not morphed. Maybe it hasn't. I don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? No, like I, I think, but like if people had the to make a split des, a split second decision. To, to pull the trigger or not, or to engage with this person or not, or to sit them down or not when they say no, I think it would open people's eyes because oh, I yeah. think people would realize very quickly we're asking a lot of officers. Right. And rightly so. Absolutely. A lot should be expected of them. Um, they have a lot of authority. They have a lot. Uh, we have a lot of authority. We have a lot of um, tools at our disposal that we are trusted with we should be like the cream of the crop. We should be. And that should be expected of us. Um, and, and with that comes when we tell someone to sit down for the right reason, they don't, we should be allowed to sit them down. In my opinion. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I'm employed and I'll do what I'm told. I mean, really. Right. Like that's where we're at in this, in this world. Like I, I, I like where I work. I, I'm, I'm going to go all out. I'm all for it what we're doing right um and i'll do what i'm told because that's my job right but like if you're it just seems like we're making it way more complicated than it is uh for for certain i think loud i'll say it. loud the groups. Mob. yeah the mob the mob which yeah. i think is actually not the majority I don't think it's the majority. And when you, uh, yeah. I don't think the majority of people view what the police are doing. Oh, ask me another question. Light. Negative light. Ask me another Gary's question. getting worried. I'm not worried, man. All right. I'm asking another question. Um, dude, that, that's, a good, that's a good conversation. Yeah, I just wish we could have it without... Without being a... A, a thing, like... I get it. Without it being a thing. Yeah. You just have to be careful what you say. Because you're still active. I'm not. I can say whatever I want. I like that. Um, and what I'm saying is we want to hold cops accountable for doing their job against people who we refuse to hold accountable. <laughs> Makes zero <laughs> sense to me. Zero. Hey, look at that cop. Why did he do that? He would do that. Hey, what about the murderer he was trying to arrest? How about that? <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, boy. What is the most embarrassing thing you ever did on the job? I don't do embarrassing things. Either. Everyone does. I was... Uh, so many. Embarrassing. You're going to have to tune in next week to hear Detective Gary Lowe's answer to that question uh, and many more questions that I ask him. Let me reiterate that Gary was here on his own volition and he was not representing his department. Anything he said or agreed with me on are his own thoughts and opinions. I appreciate you coming, him coming on the podcast. He is a great friend of mine and has been for many years. Uh, he has been a huge support to me and this podcast. He has guts coming on and uh, talking to me. Uh, and, and I'm not over, overemphasizing that or being overly dramatic. Any active officer that comes on uh, has expressed concern. Uh, and, and some of that's due because I've been vocal about some wrong actions by local leaders. Uh, I've been adamantly and continue to be adamantly against BLM 
uh, and what they stand for. And, and I've also been open about my faith. And so active officers have expressed concern about coming onto the podcast. And, and quite frankly, I don't blame them. All it takes is for one political leader or department leader to decide that what one of them says, quote unquote, harms the department or jurisdiction. I won't even ask most active guys to come on the podcast because I don't want to put them in that position uh, to make that decision. But Gary, but Gary, I did ask and he came through twice now. I uh, love that guy, and I appreciate him, and I'm glad he uh, he came back on. Um, so you can tune in next week for part two of our conversation when he answers that question I asked him there at the end, and many more questions I asked him. Uh, I don't have too much more to say uh, in this episode. I did want to thank all of you for your patience, as I had to forgo releasing an episode last week. Uh, this is part of my struggle with having a podcast. We crave our privacy here in the Weaver family, but when life happens... And I have to let people know that I I can't get an episode out. I do feel the need to try to keep people from not being in the complete dark about what's going on. Uh, So without getting into the nitty gritty and all the details, I I will tell you a member of my family, not Lauren or or any of the kids, uh, suffered a medical emergency and was hospitalized for several days uh, the week before my last episode was supposed to come out. So everything has stabilized, and I appreciate my email subscribers who reached out and checked in. Uh, Everything is going well right now, and I'm hoping it continues to track in that direction. Uh, Speaking of email subscribers, make sure you check out my website at diakonosacc.podbean.com. I recently added some pages to the website, one of which explains how you can easily subscribe to get podcast emails. On the website, you can also sign up to be a patron of the show. Uh, Listen, depending on your patron level, you can get a mention on an episode, you can secure an entry into our prize drawings, you can take part in podcast polls that I put out, uh, and you can also ask me questions which I I answer on on certain episodes, one of those episodes coming up here at the beginning of August, Lord willing. And uh, you can also get access to patron-only episodes, all this while supporting the mission of the podcast. I know some of you out there have been considering it, but just haven't pulled the trigger. Just do it. Click the Become a Patron button at the top uh, right-hand corner of the page and sign up. It's quick and it's painless uh, and it's really uh, quite easy. Finally, you know that at the end of each of these episodes, I tell you to kick up the dust in pursuit. If you remember, that comes from the word diakonos, which is Greek. Part of the root meaning of that word means to kick up dust as you pursue something. God pursues us. And we need his help to pursue him and the things that glorify him. If you don't know him, you can. His word is clear that if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, uh, you can be saved. You will be saved. That's what his word says. So confess, understanding your sin and how it nailed Jesus, who is fully man and fully God to the cross, and then believe that God raised him from the dead three days later, conquering sin and death and providing a way for you to be a child of God. Jesus taking on your penalty and providing a way for you to have eternal life. By the power of his grace, you've only to confess and believe through faith alone in Christ alone. If you already believe, then you know what we are called to do uh, in Colossians 3, 23 to 24, where it says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for people knowing that it is from the Lord that you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Right there, God calls us to kick up the dust in whatever we do. So if you are in law enforcement and you know the one who saves, 
kick up the dust in pursuit of your work to his glory.